Hi, I'm Gordon Lamp here with The Real Finds Podcast, a podcast series where we interview key entrepreneurs, scientists, and activists that are shaping the real estate industry and, as a result, our world. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Heather Ewing, founder and CEO of Abstract Commercial Real Estate. On the podcast, we'll discuss the keys to retail leasing success, the advantages to investing in a university town, and the future of retail, including drone delivery, historic renovations, and ghost kitchens. It's worth a listen. Hello, everyone. Today, we're here with Heather Ewing. She's one of the major voices in the Madison real estate market, and she's going to give us an inside look at how triple net leases look and how the commercial side operates for the retail market. Heather, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Gordon. It's a, it's a joy and pleasure to be here with you. So can we start off by talking a little bit about your background uh, in Madison and, and the retail uh, world? Certainly. I was born and raised in Madison. I'm, I'm one of the few in that sense. So it really does provide a nice background for commercial real estate. And then in the real estate realm, just extremely niched with retail and restaurants, and then also an emphasis in mixed-use development. So they interweave together really well in promoting Madison, the downtown, as well as the surrounding areas. So it's it's always fun bringing local talent to, to vision and then also the nationals as well. So I'll admit I have several Badgers in our family, and we've been up for a number of games. Uh, Camp Randall is awesome. always a good time, right? Yeah, yeah. Beyond, beyond the university itself, what, what are the things that make Madison kind of a unique city to operate in the, in the retail space? We're located between two lakes. So we are on an isthmus. There's a lot of outdoor opportunities. So even though we are smaller, a lot of outdoor opportunities, a lot of foodies, a lot of people that want to experience, uh, you know, different types of retail, also travel, things of that nature. It just has a nice energy. And I think also people reference the warmth of the community. So with that, they, they feel welcomed back and kind of like yourself and your family. There are so many people with that nostalgic UW-Madison, Bucky Badger feel. And uh, I think a culmination of all those bring people back repeatedly. So talking about bringing back, let's go back to how you got your start in, uh, in the real estate profession. You weren't a typical go to school for real estate from what I hear. It was much more of a, a unique track. Can you touch on that? Yeah. So I was that weaving path. <laughs> I always say you're either the straight and narrow or the winding path. And that was very much me. Um, I had experienced a, a near-death accident when I was younger and it really started me on a trajectory of what do I want to do in life? And so I started trying a lot of different areas and that's where it's kind of a kaleidoscope in that sense. But I ended up getting into commercial real estate through a friend of a friend that said, have you thought of it? And I hadn't. And so in pursuing that, I talked with different brokerages and ended up with one. It was boutique, retail, and restaurants. And I thought, how interesting and perfect. I've always loved eating and shopping. So <laughs> that's how I got into it. And I just really live and breathe it. So um, I acclimated quickly. And when you love to do things, the, the hours do fly by and it's just expansive in that sense. So I'm very grateful for 
kind of that meandering road. I learned a lot and I'm bringing that to commercial real estate now. So the meandering road is always more exciting. That's for sure. What exactly. I'm curious about is you had an operations background from the start, right? Right. right. And operations is the foundation of a good real estate uh, background. Can mm -hmm. you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So in the earlier years, I, again, wasn't sure what I wanted to go into. So I thought, well, I'll go for the stability. stability. <laughs> and so it's junior year and they're, Heather, you've got to decide. So I thought, well, I will get into operations and human resources. Between the two, very different. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Wasn't really thrilled about either, but I did go into operations and I spent 11 years there. And it's a great foundation for commercial real estate. I say it's kind of the backbone. And with that, it was capacity planning, overseas negotiations, toolings, R&D, all these different things. So when I'm you know, in commercial real estate for the past several years now that it's really applying that and it's foreseeing when are the bottlenecks going to happen, whether it's with municipal approvals, maybe it's a, a shortage with construction, which a lot of people are experiencing lately. And so it's looking into the future, putting the pieces of the puzzle together so that it's as seamless as possible. Nothing is perfect, but it really sets your client up for success, which is what we want to do and that's how we solve the problems and have repeat business. So I'd certainly like to touch on uh, construction bottlenecks and some of the logistical okay. issues that the industry overall has been experiencing. But I'd like to also go on and, and learn a little bit more about how you got your start in the real estate business. There's mm -hmm. a lot of folks that listen to this podcast and right. a lot of my followers in general that uh, are just starting out in the business. Could you touch on a little bit how you got your start? Because there's a lot of folks that might not be in the business itself, but are looking to jump in and right. looking for a path. And that's so true. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really is a, a new emergence within our um, category, if you want to say. I would say it's part of it is understanding yourself, and that will help you align with the right firm. Um, for me, I really liked the smaller boutique versus a large corporate feel. And so it's one of those in understanding yourself, you'll find the right firm uh, versus, you know, if you don't want the big experience, don't go to the JLL, CBRE, which are great. It just depends on knowing yourself. So once you align with the right group, then I think it's really creating the support that you have through the different agents, through management. And also I am a big proponent of um, implementing mentors as you need to outside of the firm too. Beth Azor is an amazing one for leasing. And oh yeah, she's awesome. She's <laughs> she's a gift from above. <laughs> I worked with her in the past. It helped me immensely. And so I think the right firm, the right mentorship, and also no, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be days where you're like, what did I get myself into? But that's the beauty is that so much of commercial real estate is mindset and it's helping you to eliminate the old habits that really do not help you or your clients and adopting better habits, better skill sets, better knowledge, hit the streets. You have to know the markets and that is invaluable. And that is something that has served me very well um, in hitting the streets, understanding the deals understanding what people want, what they don't, how to adapt for their style. 
And you have to be resilient and you need to have a why. Without the why, you're going to get washed away and it's not pretty. It's it's an all all or nothing sport. And that's where I also say have a good fitness regimen because that's going to keep you mentally alert. It's going to keep you on top of it. And that's a winning combination, surrounding yourself with the right people, the zest for learning, for overcoming, staying active, and write your goals out. If I would were to go back, that's something that I would have younger Heather do too, is write out your goals. It sounds so simple, but it was one of those, for whatever reason, I was just like, I know my goals, I don't have to write them, but there's power in the written word. So can you touch on a little bit about staying active? Because look, I, I'll admit there are plenty of weeks where the only steps I get are the steps on tour. Um, <laughs> but uh, in terms of that, there are a lot of brokers that I think uh, don't really fully understand that their bodies are sometimes just as important as their mind. And I think you're a voice right. in the industry that talks about a holistic approach to the real Thank estate you. practice. Definitely. And it's kind of fun because even at networking events locally or nationally, people are checking in, which, which marathon are you training for? So it is fun. And uh, that's one of the great things about our industry is we can weave it in. Uh, the way I see it is discipline is not a bad word. And that was something that took me several years to get beyond a certain point with. But again, commercial real estate really helped me that because if you're not disciplined, again, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to deliver to your firm, to your clients and to yourself. So I like to sign up. So I just signed up for the Paris Marathon. It's oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also working on the Abbott World Series. They call it the Six Majors. Okay. And it's fun because I, I run it with my brother and his wife. So it's the Ewing Trio. And we just finished London in October. Berlin last year, there's, there's six total. So... I have to get Boston, Chicago. I already ran New York, and then Tokyo will be the uh, the crowning six. So it's I would say have something to work towards. And people that follow my posts and my journeys because I have started posting these, it's really about moving. It you don't have to be a runner. You don't have to be a marathoner. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's Pilates. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's basketball. Um, whatever it is, but people want the immediate answer. And sometimes you have to try different sports, just like different areas within commercial real estate to find your niche and what speaks to you and, and makes you feel alive that you can deliver on. So um, healthy eating, lots of water, even with the holidays and movement <laughs> is, a, is a perfect companion to commercial real estate. Yeah, less less eggnog, more water is all. Right. <laughs> Easier said than done at this time of the year. <laughs> well, well I, I wish you the absolute best in Paris. I, I have a, a tiny little Wisconsin tidbit uh, yes. from Paris. I went to a very fancy restaurant in Paris in a previous life. Um, and uh, I'll always remember that they're taking out all the, you know, all the various cheeses. This is from, you know. Provence, this is from, this cheese is from Denmark, the finest cheeses, and then they're like, and and then the creme de la creme was a you know, premium Wisconsin cheddar, and I was just like, <laughs> yes, yes, America can do some things well. Right. Wisconsin's got their cheddar cheese figured out, so. Um, and I uh, guess with all the slack we take for the cheese heads, you know, I, I'm glad you shared that, Gordon. 
<laughs> so so you might travel across the world and you're still going to find your, your classic Wisconsin cheddar. So it's um, on, a, on another note, uh, going in, you're talking about how to be the right broker. And I think you mm -hmm. are the right broker. But how does someone go out and find the, uh, the right broker? Because there's a lot of brokers out there. They're all pitching their business. Yep. How does a client go out and say, hey, Heather's the right broker for me? Yep, definitely. Something I always recommend to people is to seek out the broker in your desired niche. And I'll hear, and it makes me cringe every time, but, well, my cousin is a agent or, you know, so-and-so down the road. And I always say that that's great. What's their area of expertise? And the example I frequently go to is that if you were having an eye problem, would you go into your podiatrist? They're both doctors, right? And so I think that's helpful. And it's also, it's sad when you see some of the deals that people have done and they don't know. To me, take a referral or just give it away because it makes me cringe and it's already, you know, they've already been in the lease for maybe, you know, some time. And the deal terms are just horrible, but you don't want them to have a nightmare every night. If you tell them <laughs> you should have, you know, two years ago, uh, went to myself or someone that, that knows this and um, get a great deal because it impacts their bottom line, which impacts their time with family and with everyone else. And it does correlate to health as well. So finding the right person in the category, but then also I always say it's a gut check. There's a lot, there's good brokers, but is it a communication style that works well for you? And also, do you feel that they are presenting the questions that will help you make your decisions, not someone telling you what you're doing? So I, I can't agree with you more. I can tell you this. There's plenty mm -hmm. of times that we hop on and look at somebody who's thinking about a renewal and you look at the original deal that was negotiated and you're surprised this person is, is even a broker. Um, right. But at the same time, you are 100% right. That gut check, sometimes yep. there's just not the right fit, and they can yep. be the best industrial broker or the best retail broker in the world, but there's not a fit. You probably shouldn't be spending so much time with this person. Exactly. Exactly. So on top of that and following along, you figure you figured out as, a, as an individual maybe how to find the right broker. What about investors? Mm -hmm. So investors have a wide swath of knowledge typically of the market, but yep. uh, they're looking to find the best deals and investors are great, but the brokers on the ground typically know where the ripest and best deals are. Can right. you touch on as an investor, uh, what a great deal looks like? Yeah. You know, I always say you need to have your pivotal partners. And with that, it's, you know, what's interesting is over the years, I kind of took for granted the market knowledge that I knew because I knew it so well from all the deals I have done. And then also I'm, I'm that one that runs past properties and checks in on them like children. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have children, just as a heads up folks. Um, but the market knowledge with that, the investor, that partnership can get you the winning deal without the market knowledge. It's a shot in the dark. And that's where I, I joke I'm a recovering perfectionist, but understanding the, the market knowledge and combining it with your investor. And that's where a couple of years ago, I, I went and did obtain my CCIM 
because I saw what an integral connection that is. And so in addition to that, it's then reaching out through different networks. And it, a lot of times, especially for your new newer agents, it's putting on the hat of, if you are an investor, where are you going? What are you reading? Who are you connecting with? What groups? And it's getting outside of your comfort zone and reaching out to those people. And commercial real estate, I mean, as you know, Gordon, it's relationships. Our deals don't happen quickly. It's it's really creating and cultivating those relationships through, I think, mutual care and sharing of knowledge and um, bringing it forward. So you need a, a solid team for the investor and the broker. So you touched on getting out of your comfort zone. There's a lot of tenants out there that are getting out of their comfort zone. Right. What does a good deal for a tenant typically look like in the Madison market? Because most tenants who are starting their business or maybe haven't renewed uh, a new lease or gone to a new location in a long time, don't really know what a great deal looks like. Yeah. So, you know, as far as the, the specifics of the deal term, of course, we'll leave those out. But I would say that the best way to, <laughs> I would say that the best way to know that you're getting a good deal is when you're talking with your broker, what deals have they done in the area? And for anyone in a urban area, a block matters. And I've seen it yeah. time and time again, where people will count their expenses because they're very easy to quantify. And I think it's, they also need to understand what they're bringing to the market, if it's saturated, if it's not, also what their revenues are going to be and find the best location that you can for that. And that's also, if you're working with a lender, I always say, you know, go beyond the amount that you're thinking of just to know where, where your upper and lower limits are from a lending perspective. And of course, do what feels right for you for the rental amount. But it's always nice to know where where you lie within that range so that if you do need a buffer above, you've got it. And if you don't need it, of course, you don't have to utilize it. But people do need to have a line of credit so that there's always unexpected things popping up. And so newer tenants really need to make sure that they do work with their lender and create those relationships. Attorneys are great, too. Um, make sure you have your lease reviewed by a, an attorney and you need to have someone that understands triple net leases. Again, the environmental attorney is great for the sale, but for your triple net lease, someone that regularly reviews them. It, it can kill deals. It can be painful. And they're, they're not as keen on what to look for if they're doing other types of deals. So those are so for your... Yeah, 100% in agreement. Um, I, I think the one thing we'd like to touch on is mm -hmm. for your, you know, starting out retail investor or someone who's just getting into the industry, what is a triple net lease? Because I think there's a lot of confusion, particularly from the residential side and some of the residential agents that listen and, and follow. Um, right. So, so yeah. how, how does a triple net work? Sure. So there's there's three factors within the triple net. One is the CAM, which is the common area maintenance. I always say that's the aesthetics. It's to make the place look good, planters, um, also snow removal, lawn care, all of those types of aesthetics. 
then there's also the property insurance. So the landlord insures the property, the shell, and then you as the tenant would also insure your property within the premise. And then it's also real estate taxes. And this is where you'll see the RET, the acronym that throws people <laughs> off sometimes. It's the real estate taxes for the properties. For example, in the urban area, State Street in downtown Madison, there's also additional fees. It's part of the bid district, which is a business improvement. So you'll see it in a lot of the larger cities, we only have one bid in Madison with our size. But what that is, is to then help the different landlords and tenants within the area. Um, so those are the three rungs of the triple net, the CAM, the property insurance, real estate taxes. And I something that I've noticed over the years is I end up working with probably one they call them resmercial brokers, one residential. And my my big ask of you <laughs> um, for anyone in that category is work with a broker. And even if you have to split the commission, work with a broker because your client deserves to be fully represented. And that would be like me going into residential, which I have no interest and never would. So I, anyone with residential, I refer out because that's not my arena. So that's something that, that would be my ask to your community. Yeah, 100% in agreement. I mean, I, I didn't buy my own house to put this in perspective. Um, I totally I, get it. I referred out, uh, or we refer out on a, on a regular basis, numerous yeah. folks who come in and say, hey, will you help me buy a house? Or, oh, you did a great job on our commercial deal. And we go, no, we're referring it out. Yep. It's it's not our specialty. Yeah. And I think some folks are shocked, but staying with AR specialty is mm -hmm. essential to doing a good deal. So definitely. Definitely. So, and I think too, you know, to your point, Gordon, just adding on real quick. I yeah. think when you know that you'll do the right thing, you also kind of end up working with other people that do the right thing too. Not <laughs> yeah. always, but typically. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And um I think it's just I always say you want to lay your head on the pillow at the end of the day and feel good about it and sleep well. Um, life's too short to to not do things fully and well. Yes. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, so on that, uh, we've talked a lot about Madison in general. Yep. And I think one of the big things that a lot of investors who maybe, you know, haven't really dove into a tertiary market is there are a lot of benefits to working in a tertiary market. Right. And so can you touch on Madison and, and the kind of the experience of investing in a tertiary market versus your standard, you know, New York, LA, Dallas, Chicago kind of. Right. So one of the benefits of investing in Madison is we're, we're more stable than different areas throughout the country, such as going through COVID and everything. And the reason for that is the university and it's also the state government. Um, we have significant growth right now in the downtown. And with that, it's a lot of it's local, but there are also out of state investors as well. So multifamily is on fire, as you know, it's also the commercial, um, it's just doing really well because there's lower costs, greater stability, you may not get as high of returns in certain areas, but we also have a deficit of housing. So it's just straight up demand that really drives it. And so 
everyone experiences construction cost increases and the supply chain issues anywhere. But again, having lesser costs here to hold matters as well. The land is not as expensive. Uh, one of the funny things of being here, um, growing up and, and being here over 40 years is, it is amazing to see our land costs, but when you put that in perspective uh, nationally, ours are very small. So those are just a few of the benefits. And it's also relaxed. So I think people also love the big cities and the hustle and the bustle, but sometimes it's nice to come to a, a little slower pace and uh, have that time as well. Yeah, um, I, one of the interesting tidbits, there's a, a number of investors on, on LinkedIn and Twitter that routinely mm -hmm. talk about why they invest in right. uh, college towns. And I think one of the uh, most fascinating aspects, and I, I know, I think you've touched on it in other blogs and podcasts, is that there are a lot of people who are very successful uh, in another profession who come back and they want to invest in the nostalgia of their college town. And I think right. that's, that's something yep. maybe if you could touch on that a little bit. Sure. Well, it's interesting because I, I do a lot of leasing on State Street and that's where going to the union and having a spotted cow, so many people want a spotted cow. <laughs> so we're talking the, you know, the nostalgic of their UW experiences again, whether it was themselves or family or maybe a friend and, you know, the fond memories of that. And then just the union, it's it's mesmerizing. It's on Lake Mendota, all the colored, um, you know, chairs out there. And it's just, it's peaceful and relaxing in that sense. But it's also has the density of over 3 million on the next couple of blocks on State Street. And so you really have a win of both. And a lot of times if you're in the larger markets, you can't walk a couple of blocks and have that. It's a concerted effort. So I think people just have a lot of good feelings about it. Uh, Madison continues to do well. We have over 45,000 students at the UW. So there's just a lot of positives, not only for the UW, but Madison as well, which keeps people coming back. Yeah, people keep coming back to Madison, mm -hmm. especially for that spotted cow, that's for right. sure. Whatever it takes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on the note of coming back, I wanted to come back earlier to the whole idea of um, the high interest rate market. And mm -hmm. I know for us, it's, it's definitely shifted some things, particularly the build out world. Um, okay. What are you guys seeing in the high interest rate world of retail investing and development in Madison? Yeah, well, it's definitely killed deals, that's for sure. <laughs> um, people are waiting until the, the interest rate does go down. But from a leasing perspective, it, it takes longer to do the deals. We used to be able to turn around a, a budget from a contractor in a week. Now it's two to three weeks. And then also when you're running into issues with doors and some of these other staples that it's just extending everything. So it used to take about four months for a restaurant build out for a full commercial kitchen. Now we're at seven, you know, sometimes it's even eight. So it's really getting the, the, the fixtures, the furniture, everything. And that's where too, a lot of people, Different restaurants have went under, but it's quickly backfilled because everyone does want a turnkey space. It's obviously much more economical from a startup. Nothing is ever perfect. Obviously, there's always something being demoed and uh, rebuilt to 
fit the cuisine or the atmosphere that an operator is going for. But it's um, it's just really made it unstable. And I think that's where, too, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, having that operations background, it, it's really, again, it's kind of funny how it's coming full circle in a way yet again. And, and so it's really following these different limiting factors through to get get the materials, get the supplies, get the equipment that you need. And that's where too, I follow up on things very quickly. And I think that's what happens with other deals um, for other, you know, especially new brokers or others that they don't have a good system in place for follow-up. And sometimes too, what I've noticed lately is that you really have to think outside of the box to get the deal done. And um, I just completed a triple net deal and they're on second floor and the developer is adding four floors. Oh, wow. So that was unique. I'm used to going into a brand new development, but I've never been quite in this scenario. So as you can imagine with a rooftop unit HVAC, that was intriguing. So we finally worked out a workaround for that between the transitional HVAC heating, the permanent addition of floors, shifting of the elevator shaft, it affects the space. So it was it was an interesting deal, but creativity, creativity and follow-up when the deal with supply chain right now, and also the um, fear, I think, of tenants and landlords. Can you touch a little bit more on the, the creation of a, a system to follow up? Because there's a lot of young brokers and developers out there that- yep don't have good systems in place. And I think that's one of the biggest game changers around. Yeah, definitely. I would say, make sure you talk to a few seasoned brokers that you uh, respect and that are doing well in the area that you want to and see which CRM they use. Yeah. Chances are they've went through many over the years, ones they've liked, ones they haven't, the good, bad, and the ugly. And I always say, you know, shorten the learning curve if you can. And as I reflect, you know, on on my earlier years, I would have asked for help and went, you know, to additional people and resources to find answers. I mean, I I really, you know, was trying to do so much on my own and within the firm that sometimes you just need to invest in other venues too to help you. So get a great CRM. I'm using Client Look right now. I like that one so far. Um, Apto was little too robust for me <laughs> but it's just finding the right one that works for you and then remaining consistent and following through with that so that's something very important excellent advice um i'll say the one tidbit and i know you you talked about beth um but yeah uh, what i would recommend to everyone and i say this quite often on the podcast is reach out to somebody who's in your industry mm-hmm. that's in another market. Because yeah. if somebody's in Florida or in Texas or in New York, they're going to be much more willing to help because you're not competing with them. Yeah. They're just there. And and the number of folks that I've reached out to over the years and have reached out to me from other markets, and I've been on calls for an hour with somebody helping walk through how they do a process, you'd be surprised how helpful some folks are in the industry. It's so So. true. We actually have a mastermind. And so it's brokers out of LA, Tallahassee, uh, Maryland, of course, Wisconsin. (laughs) And um, 
in North Carolina as well. And it is super nice. Everyone's in the retail restaurant sector. We we can bounce any question off and you know that you're getting a great answer and it's from someone that's very active in the arena and doing well. So I, that's a perfect point to bring up. So now we're going to get to our final four. Uh, right. These are the, the final four questions we ask everyone. I know the Badgers have been to final fours quite recently, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, this will be our own little final four. So 10 years from now, what do you think will change the most about retail? Uh, yeah, so I think there will definitely be some type of larger drone delivery. Everyone wants things right now or yesterday. I see that. What's interesting is in Madison, they actually have like the food service on the UW campus. Oh, okay. The little, yeah, with the little uh, robots. I also see, though, social media is so such a big impact on everyone's lives. I don't see it being free. I see there being tiers and I see higher costs with that. I think things will continually go towards the fast casual and you're seeing the ghost kitchens already transforming into groups and you know getting rid of that name. So I, I think different branding and I also think what we do is so intricate and customized that I think you'll always need great brokers, but I think people will really get away from the generalists and become more niched. And then I also see AI coming in for the, the basics of providing general data, answering questions, things of that nature. And what's interesting is there's a developer locally that I work with and they're already, they're using it for their uh, multifamily for bringing in the, the residential tenants. So it's, so, it's yeah, happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are two things I'd like to follow up on. The first sure. is any young broker out there should read this book, The Velvet Rope Economy. It's all yeah. about stratification within industries and how it behooves businesses to stratify and develop either different price points or uh, unique specialty products at different price points. And we're seeing that in the real estate economy, yeah. whatever asset class you're in. So thank you for touching on that. Uh, the, sec the second thing I was wondering if you could um, touch on a little bit more is I've heard a number of developments of ghost kitchens going in in Madison. And I was wondering if you've done any ghost kitchen or been adjacent to any ghost kitchen developments. Sure. I actually did the first one in the downtown, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to the right person. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was interesting. I had several deals last year on State Street, and one was the, the ghost kitchen. And with that, it's, it's really helping people accept change, right? Um, there's kind of overcoming the hurdle of, we do want retail experiences and things of that nature, but it's also feeding the entire immediate downtown, which is helpful. Uh, a lot of times you will see the ghost kitchens further out, right? Because it's less costly rent and things of that nature. But with the density that we have, it just worked really well. And they also finished it off nicely. So aesthetically, it was it was pleasing to the eye and we have so much happening in the area. And then it also helps the other restaurants in the area too with any overflow. So it's really reimagining, it's accepting change and how do we bring it forward so that we create something really cool that's also going to be 
financially beneficial. So um, that was, it was a fun deal to do. It sounds like a really cool deal. Yeah. Um, so on the note of kind of traveling back, and then we just traveled back for a brief bit to the first ghost kitchen, but what about traveling back the start of your career? So what would you tell a young Heather who's starting out in the business world, if you could give her just a quick you know, five minute chat? I would tell her to get help outside of the firm as well. So for me, again, um, it was a very small firm. It was the owner, myself, and another agent. And, yeah. um, you know, everyone's so busy. And I think everyone knows our our industry in general is, is not great for really getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. Um, I probably got more than some in that sense. But yet, I just really was digging and looking for answers. And um, to shorten my curve, I wish I would have went and found a Beth Azor. That would have been immensely helpful. Um, it was really hard, but it was something that I wanted. And I, I joke that I'm like a bull in a china cabinet. When I want something, I put 200% in. Otherwise, why bother? Um, so I would say get help. In addition to your firm, get help outside. Um, that's important. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So on the idea of getting help um, mm -hmm. and going to the whole principle of seeking out additional knowledge, one of the things that I do is I'm a big reader. So um, if you could suggest a book that has influenced you or um, influenced folks at your firm, is there one in particular that you think uh, would help a lot of our young listeners? Yeah, so mine's probably a little bit different. Mine is Napoleon Hill, so it's the nostalgic. Um, think and Grow Rich. And the yeah. reason why I like that is that when I was in karate, I always heard, you know, train your train your basics and keep them strong. You can add all the colorful stuff in later, but without strong basics, the rest doesn't matter. So I see Napoleon Hill as the foundation, kind of like I do operations yeah. and everything else added just made it really rich. And it's mindset. You can know a lot. You can be really good. But if you have a poor disposition or you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in your clients, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So mindset is, is very important. And whether you're new or have been in it for a long time, um, it's great to read both of those. Types of books. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So the last question we always ask, and this is the most important one, it's the whole idea of the Real Finds podcast is finding influential folks. Right. Um, who's the next person we should have on the podcast? I would recommend Debbie Ashlyn of okay. Tallahassee. Love the accent. She's great. You'll love her. Um, she's also a, a hard hitter, but in the South and Retail and restaurants is her niche, and she tends to work with more buyers and tenants than landlords, whereas I'm primarily landlords, but I do work with certain buyers and tenants, and um, she's great. Met her through Beth. So the power of networking to everyone newer, um, definitely network. It can be quite enjoyable, and you're going to grow, and you're going to have fun. Well, my wife is a hard-hitting lawyer from the South, so I'm not going to say that. Hard-hitting Southern women. Um, yes. Yes, so, they're the best. 
<laughs> so thank you so much, Heather, for hopping on the podcast today. I think a lot of great advice, and we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to hop on. Thank you, Gordon. It was my pleasure. It was great. Thanks again to Heather Ewing. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, a five-star rating, or review. Your comments, interactions, and subscriptions matter for the podcast algorithm and help us continue to get guests our viewers want to listen to and learn from. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast. Thank you for listening.